2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
4: Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But now, if you'd like to call with questions, ideas, comments, or whatever, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, I hope you had a chance over the last couple nights to look out your windows and see that moon. It's the harvest moon, and it is absolutely spectacular. It's just incredible. To see the full moon, I mean, sometimes it's kind of softened off with a little bit of clouds, but the you know the moon says get out of my way and starts pushing the clouds out of the way, and I mean to see these moons has just been really great. It is Saturday morning. We get together for a discussion about what's impacting your plant material, whether your plant material is growing in your backyard, your side yard, your front yard, inside your house. Uh, or a specialty garden space, or, oh, and what should you be doing? Should you be planting things in pots this time of year? Should you be doing your tulips and daffodils? No, don't be doing it yet. It's a little bit too early. And uh, should you be improving your soil this time of year? Yes, by adding compost and compost blends and things like that. Should be pruning. Certain things you could be pruning. Don't be pruning anything that blooms in the springtime because if you prune it now, you're cutting off the flower buds for next year. Should you be watching out for insects and diseases and things? Of course, always be doing that. And the information that I'll share with you hopefully will make your decisions uh, a little easier and solidify your options. But, of course, the final judgment and the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing. He answers the phone. All he needs to, from you when you call in is your first name. He'll put it on the computer, and then uh, it'll come over on this uh, screen here, and I'll be able to talk to you. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting a Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home to landscape consultations if you like for me too. And uh, this past week, I was at a home in South County off Telegraph, and wow, this was an elaborate circumstance, waterfalls and everything else. And, I mean, the plantings were extreme as far as the amount of varieties of plant material and everything else. But uh, unfortunately, some of the things, uh, as I can constantly say – Nobody seems a lot of times from a planning standpoint to think about maturity as far as size goes. And some of these plants were way too close to the buildings and houses and things like that. And it was going to be, some of them are going to have to be removed. There's no getting around it. But anyway, that's life. And so what? My uh, landscape consultations are called Walk and Talks. You can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com, and uh, there's my homepage. With uh, my email address and phone number, probably best. F- Still, I don't have my computer up. It has been nothing but a nightmare. So anyway, if you just leave me, leave me your phone number, I'll get back in touch with you. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Heading east on Russell. Then I went to north on Jefferson. And then I went east again on Lafayette. And then I went north again on Missouri Avenue. Where is this? This is Lafayette Square. There's this great historic wrought iron fence with gates and everything else. And uh, just as you step inside the gates, uh, guess what? There was this tree that's been removed. And this is a special program through the University of, or not, you know, Missouri State Conservation Department for t- removing trees in certain circumstances, and I saw there was a couple trees in Lafayette Square Park that had been done. And uh, actually, uh, the waste can holders have the icon for Lafayette Square on them, and uh, it's really kind of interesting. But, I mean, the massive trees in this park is just just fantastic. They're all reaching out in all kinds of directions. There's an asphalt roadway, and then right coming off that is a stepping stone path. It spins and turns and does all this great stuff. And there is a dog or there is a sign that says no dogs without leashes. And as I was just standing there making my initial notes, here comes somebody in with their dog, and the dog was on a leash. So it was just a good dog. And the first bed space backdrop with barberry and hydrangea. And then there was some Virginia creeper creeping around through some daylilies and iris which were preparing for a seasonal nap because they knew oh, their time is over and they were getting a little tired. But anyway, there's black eyed Susans and they were dancing with red and yellow coleus. The coleus really looks sharp and good. I mean, it was in bloom. So, you know, it's kind of headed downhill from that from that standpoint. But the foliage look, you know, real nice. There's some amaranthus, which were shooting straight up like bottle rockets near a hosta colony. Variegated ground covers from lamium and others also all over the place, transitioning out into the lawn areas. This, I mean, there's some great lawn areas, and then there's a nice bench where, uh, with some sponge rock there, where you can just kind of sit and uh, take it easy. And across a path from this bench, there's some sedum autumn joy white blooming garlic was all over the place. I mean this is a time of year when garlic is in bloom. so if you want something that's uh, well, maybe 10, 10 to 12 inches tall with uh, clusters of white flowers at the end of the stem, this is what you want to maybe consider as garlic and as you step out in out of the shade, you can hear the ducks in the distance they're over in the you know in the pond slash lake here in the Lafayette Square and they were really quacking away. At the same time, there was some fantastic-looking white-blooming fall anemones. There was also out here in the sunny areas lamb's ear. There was ribbon grass. There was asters. There was milkweed. And they were posed to uh, posing in front of burning bush, which was really starting to turn some uh, reddish colors. Maiden grass, the clumps were really looking good. Fall was really in the air as I started to head back for my car. It was just, I mean, squirrels were bouncing all over. I didn't see or hear that many birds singing, lots of crickets, of course. But uh, it was just a nice day, morning to be walking in
3: Lafayette Square Park. So
4: Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
3: Connect with KMOX on air, online, 1120 a.m., 98.7 fm, KMOX.com.
4: To the phones we go, let's head over to Alton and go into Marie's yard. Hi, Marie.
5: Hi. Hi. I'm calling about two species. First of all, my crepe myrtle, I want to prune it. And do I prune it? I'll just—I don't know if this is the proper term, but do I prune it above a nodule or below a nodule?
4: Oh, you don't have to worry about that.
5: Okay, and it's I okay mean, to prune they're it. They're
4: pretty th- tough and durable. The crepe myrtle—I mean, enjoy the flowering as long as uh, it's flowering. Oh yeah. And then uh, just uh, you got all winter long to do the pruning because they set the flower buds next year after the foliage starts growing.
5: Okay, so should I wait until it's done blooming then?
4: Well, I mean, why not? Why not enjoy the flowers as long as you can?
5: I understand, yes. That's beautiful. It's 20 feet wide, you know. Whoa. So, oh, yeah. Okay, and then my second uh, species I want to address is I had a tree that I was told was a redbud, but it turns out to be, to me, a cherry blossom tree. It blooms for a short time in the spring, and it's beautiful, too. Uh, But is there another tree that, I mean, it's full of what appears to be cherries, but two weeks ago I went ahead and, you know, split a couple of them, and it's like, no, those, those aren't good. So is there, I mean, is it safe? Is there some other one that, you know, is so similar that you think it's a cherry and it's not?
4: My guess is, from the way you're describing this, these are crabapple, or that's a crabapple, not a cherry tree.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's funny, as far as I'm sorry, because I was told it was a redbud years ago, and it's like,
6: I mean, well,
5: that's, this isn't a redbud tree. Yeah, whoever and told you
4: like, it was redbud, I mean, they would have pea pods hanging from them.
5: No, no, this is ram starts out looking like round little holly balls and then grows into, like I said, what appears now, you know, to be cherry, you know. Right. But you're saying, no, this is a crab apple.
4: Right. That would be my okay. guess from your description.
5: Okay. And then, you know, the lower branches are so heavy, they they're basically, you know, laying on the ground, you know. I'm going to cut those, and do I cut them right next to the tree trunk? And what should I be careful about? Well,
4: if they're depending upon how long they are, you might want to cut it off in sections. So the, you know, decide which one you're going to cut. Cut let's say half or a third of it off on the very end. That way, you don't tear the bark. If you start cutting it just right at the intersection of the of the trunk or you know, the, whatever branch they're growing off of, it could tear the bark, and that could open up some wounds, but, you know, potentially for problems. Okay. Then you want all to leave right. a stub of about uh, any place between a quarter and a half inch. That's it.
5: Okay. And then, once again, do I have to pay, or what's the attention I should pay to, you know, above nodules, below nodules, or whatever with it?
4: Well, if you're cutting it all if you're cutting the branch off entirely, you don't have to worry about that.
5: Yeah. Uh, but if I go ahead and leave some, you know, because I don't want to kill it, you know. Right. Uh,
4: but if you just leave a stub, that's not to the advantage of the tree in general. So you're better off to cut it all the way back.
5: Okay. But you're saying cut it all the way back. However, leave it like three to four inches from the trunk?
4: No, no, no. About Okay.
5: A, tell me again. I'm sorry. Uh, like a quarter to a half inch. Oh, okay, So gotcha. you don't
4: want to leave any kind of stubs at all. That just causes potential problems.
5: Okay. All right. So I think I've got it now. And then if there's, you know, like if there's some limbs, it's like it, it's grown out so far, some of the limbs. It's like, well, I really don't want to cut them back like I'm talking about those lower limbs. Right. But how would I go about, like, shortening them from 8 foot to 5 foot, let's say? Well, you could
4: do that, but again, it's spring blooming, so if you're going to do it uh, and you enjoy the flowering, then uh I would do it right after it finishes flowering in the springtime.
5: Oh, so I need to wait on the ones that I'd kind of like to right. And just cut back some.
4: Yeah, if you prune them during the wintertime or in the fall, Uh what you do is you're just eliminating potential flowers to enjoy the following spring. I mean, you can go ahead and do it during that time. You just reduce the amount of flowers that you get to see in the spring.
5: Oh, well, I don't want to do that. So wait till after it flowers in the spring again. Right, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so very much, and I do appreciate the program.
4: Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Let's head Uh now over to Diane's.
0: Hi, Diane. Hi. Hi. Um, I have five. Heart, or five or six hardy hibiscus that I put in about five years ago. Um, the ones on the left are uh, deep red, and the ones on the right are uh, bright pink with a red center. I've never had any problems until this year. The red ones um, are, as they came up, the, uh, the best I can describe is like rose rosette disease, because I've had that once in, in roses and got rid of the roses. But the um, head, the, the, the bud part of the stem would come out with cur- little smaller leaves, curly leaves, and not separated enough from the other leaves. And when the flower buds came, they were also too close together. It's like the stem itself um, wouldn't provide enough length for all of the different plant parts to be separated So as the flowers come out, they're very, very close together and interfering with each other. Um, The leaves are a little bit distorted, a little bit curly and smaller and very close together. What has happened to that, to those two hibiscus, the two red ones?
4: Uh, Basically, I mean, that's some pretty tough plants. So to have this happen, it's a little tough. It's probably a fungus-related thing because of our crazy weather in the springtime with all the rain and everything else. That would be my guess. But the hibiscus in general do like to have a, you know, a damp soil. So it's not like they don't want to be necessarily growing in standing water. So I would say just leave them alone. Go ahead and do the normal pruning that you would be doing. And because they're summer bloomers, you can bloom I mean, you can prune them all the way up until the time the leaves start emerging in the spring and see how well they perform in the next year. Next and if they year. have this you know if they're having the same type problems then there's something that's major wrong and then they should just be eliminated and maybe some new ones put in
0: okay cuz it's not affecting every branch on those ones it's affecting more the the ones that are closer to the ground now that could be because those stems it, it seems to affect the length of the stems so it could be that those Particular stalks didn't get far enough from the ground. The ones that are further up from the, that are taller, tend not to have that problem okay. on the same plant. Right. So.
4: So I, you know, I still th- the the ones that are closest to the ground are probably the ones that emerged earliest, and it may just be related to our screwy weather in the springtime.
0: Okay. Would there be any um, risk to leaving them in? Until next spring and seeing how they do. If it's like a virus, could it spread to the other ones?
4: Well, potentially, but it doesn't sound like a virus. Oh, okay. To have that mutated growth like that using virus, you know, I mean, it's it's not rose rosette because, like you said, it doesn't happen on hibiscus. But and uh, your, I mean, your your description is very close to what rose rosette looks like. Yeah. But uh, in essence, I would say. These plants have nothing to do, uh, you know, I mean, usually they're, I don't see too many problems on in any place I see them growing. So I would say just be patient, and it was just the a, a quirkiness of our springtime. Okay, will do. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And let's head over to Keith's Keith lives in Collinsville. Hi, Keith.
7: Hey, how you doing? uh, uh over in on my subdivision here, uh, we've got a, a real epidemic with the ash borer. And I'm getting ready to take one of these ash trees down, uh, m- m- hopefully in the next week or so. And I want to replace these ash bores with a tree that I saw down at Bush Stadium on the southeast corner of the stadium. I'm trying to figure out what kind of tree it is. Ooh.
8: <laughs> well,
7: in fact, there's several of them, uh, you know, on, on like the south and the east side of, I am guess it's probably all around the ballpark. But I guess I could call somebody there and ask them. Or, right. Or,
4: or, maybe or maybe take – Yeah, you know, I mean, I walk I, – you know, I take my good gardening strolls and stuff a lot at Bush Stadium. My guess is uh, just thinking about it, are they kind of upright growing? You know, rather Actually, relatively.
7: they make a nice canopy. And, uh, you know, and I was looking at a picture of the ballpark when it first opened. And, uh, you know, they were maybe eight to – 12 inches in diameter. Now they're two feet in diameter, but and they don't go that, that high up, you know, and they just look like a great tree, and I can't identify it.
4: Right. Uh, you know, with it, I just, you know, you might take a look at, have you ever seen it in flower? Let's put it that way. No. Okay. So take a look at hornbeams, H-O-R-N-B-E-A-M. Hornbeam, take a look at that tree. And um, I can't think of what I, you know. You know, it's just I see so many trees and stuff. It's just a little bit difficult. But you could call. Sure, they, I mean, you could call down to the stadium for sure and ask them.
7: Hornbeam. Right. Okay,
4: that's my guess. You can check it out online and see if that's the tree that you're you're seeing down
7: there. Or next time you do a walk around, you know, uh, maybe walk around Bush Stadium and and then I'll listen uh, next Saturday or something. <laughs>
4: Okay, well, that sounds good. I don't know if I'm going to be walking around the stadium next Saturday, but anyway.
7: But, uh, you know, I'm looking at this dogwood I have, and uh, it's kind of like a dogwood, you know. They're kind of, they don't tower, you know. Right. Okay, but I'll check out that hornbeam.
4: Right, just check that out. There's a a couple different varieties of hornbeams. Uh, there's one that is used quite often f- along streets because it doesn't get really wide. So it doesn't get knocked, uh, knocked apart by, you know, trucks and street sweepers and stuff going up and down streets.
7: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks. For, th- thanks for your time.
4: Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMW's Garden Hotline back after these messages.
9: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
7: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
7: Chiefs football is back. The season kicks off this Sunday. As they take on Arizona. Touchdown, Kansas City! Here the game here, immediately following Cardinals baseball on your home for Chiefs football. JMOX.
4: Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments about your plant material, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. This is a time of year, make sure this weather has been so goofy. I mean, don't let your lawns of any type, cool season or warm season, go through any kind of drought stress because you know how screwy our weather is. It could really do some damage if they're going, your lawn is going into, well, really any plant material, but I'm speaking in lawns specifically right now, go into the, our wintertime. And if we get a cold snap really soon and the soil is dry, that's major damage to root systems. So just keep that in mind. So keep watering. Let's head over to Ann's yard. She lives in Kirkwood. Hi, Ann. Hi, uh, Mike.
1: Yes. Um. So I was at those amaranths that you were talking about? Do those have a red bloom on them?
4: Some of them do. Some of them have yellow. Some of them have kind of a palish, you know, palish red. So, yeah, multiple colors.
1: And do they like wet or not?
4: No, they don't want to really be in really wet soil. They're pretty tough and durable. But uh, they can handle damp, but they don't want wet.
1: Because I've seen these people have a lot of wet in their yard, and they have these tall kind of spiky, and they bloom red, like, right about now. I didn't know if that was them or not. Well, the amaranthus,
4: they're basically annual, so they have to be replanted every year. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah, these are um, perennials. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so my real question I called about is, I have a bunch of hostas and I want to separate them. Is now a good time to do that?
4: Yes. I mean, they're basically... F- if they haven't finished flowering as soon as – I mean, the flowering really doesn't do too much as far as, you know, to dig them up and, uh, you know, divide them and transplant them or anything like that. Where some plant materials you're more concerned with it, but with hosta you're not really growing it for the flowers. The fact they have flowers, that's great, but you're growing them for the foliage. But, yeah, get, it, uh, get the areas that you're moving them to prepared ahead of time, then dig them up. Let them sit above the ground for a day or so and then you can divide them making sure that you get some root system with some of the foliage that's above ground. When you when you uh put them in a new location, just make sure you don't plant them too deep. Plant okay. them basically at the same level and then you can cut the foliage off after you get them in the new hole.
1: Okay. So if but if I want to just separate some, can I leave some in the old hole and then just dig up part of them? Sure. Okay. Sometimes and then my other question
4: Well, I was going to say sometimes it's easier to dig up the whole clump and then just put some of it back.
1: Okay. Okay. Um and then my other question is I have this climbing rose that I thought would look so great on my mailbox. Well, it's like taking over everything. Can I just prune it back or should I dig part of it up?
4: Well, you can't really dig it up. I mean, there's not roses the rose this root system is not, you know, you can't separate some of the stems from the root system. That's going to be impossible. So uh, pruning them back. And then with the climbing roses, they don't really like to be pruned because then that kind of messes up their uh, flowering cycle.
1: Right. I guess I just need to weave them in and out. (laughs) Yes. On on something.
4: (laughs) Right. Or maybe consider uh, maybe that wasn't the best choice for my mailbox.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure.
4: My pleasure. And now let's head from Ann's over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug.
10: Yes, I'm calling uh, because my wife doesn't want to call because she doesn't like the way she sounds on the radio.
4: (laughs) How does she know how she sounds?
10: Well, apparently she did it before and didn't like it. Two questions. Um, bleeding hearts and special treatment for transplanting. We're getting ready to have some landscaping and we want to save these bleeding hearts. Anything special needs to be done with them.
4: Uh, just water them the night before, dig them up and I'd probably, are you going to put them back in the same location or are you going to put them in a new location?
10: In the same general area.
4: Okay. So basically dig them up, maybe, you know, get some nursery pots and just put them in a, you know, black plastic nursery pot and just keep them well watered and, uh, then move them back to the location that they're at.
10: Okay. In this area, we're going to have rework. Right now, we have mulch, and I refuse to use mulch anymore because mulch just turns into dirt, which leaves everything else to grow in it. Uh, uh, the rubberized mulch, would that be okay, or would you recommend a medium-sized rock?
9: Uh,
4: you know, in this it's situation... A shaded, it's, a, yeah, it's a
10: semi-shaded it's, area, so...
4: Right. Uh, the rubberized mulch, uh, I, I you know, I, I don't even know if you can get it, but uh, anyway, if it's still available. But uh, rock with in this circumstance, I think you should just understand that mulch is organic and it will break down slowly but surely. So that's kind of, I mean, bleeding heart really is kind of a in the shaded circumstance they like kind of a natural setting. So if anything, I would go ahead. You could use the rock. Don't put any kind of landscape fabric down because that can be problematic from the standpoint it prevents any kind of weeds from growing from underneath. But it doesn't prevent any kind of weed seeds from blowing in and then working its way down, you know, and then rooting through the, uh, the landscape fabric.
10: Well, we had it done in our backyard. And if we go out right away, as soon as we see the weeds, they've just barely got a couple of inches of roots, but it's just strictly in the rock. And you can just pop them up right and the other question I have is we had a burning bush it was about about six foot by six foot and it died within a month and it's and it's 25 years old Ooh. yeah and it died right. within a month they did some uh, you know how the one company's putting all the uh, fiber optics underground right and they trench they they didn't trench but they went underneath it but they were about three or four foot from the base of it, but this, this burning bush died within a month.
4: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it had to be physical damage to kill it that soon or that quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think what your analysis is is probably pretty good. Okay. And thinking right. what the problem was.
10: Okay, don't know what the problem was, but we cut it down and we're going to have it taken out. Right. Okay, I, I thank you.
4: All right, great. And now let's see. Why don't we go over to uh, Rob's yard? Hi, Rob.
8: Hey, Mike. Um, I'm actually down here at uh, St. Louis Compost. I got a question. Um, Normally every year I get a couple yards of black gold and top dress my um, front and side yard.
11: Uh
8: But this year I've got several spots, I guess, in the front yard where the grass has died. I think maybe I had voles or something. So I'm gonna be uh detaching that today and aerating Should i uh when I reseed, should I use the black gold to uh top dress it or should I switch over to uh topsoil?
4: Uh, no, I would go ahead with the compost, so the black gold is fine
8: okay all right, very good. thank you very much. Yep. Have a good day
4: yeah, it sounds like you got a a lot of work but uh it's going to be a little warm later on in the day, but uh, beyond that, you should be fine getting it, uh, getting it done now. Let's go to John's, and John, how are you today?
12: I'm fine, Mike. Uh, I have several questions. Uh, one is uh, I have uh, some roses, Sharons. That I, I plant them in the same spot every year. They're by my deck, uh, and they grow about three foot tall, and then they die. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I've dug out the soil uh, about a foot down and about two foot wide and, you know, put potting soil in there because I thought that was the problem. This is my third year trying in the same spot. Uh, Do they need a lot of sun or?
4: Well, they do better, you know, in full sun for sure. But growing them in potting soil is not probably the ideal thing to do. You should, in the existing soil, just improve the existing soil with like a you know a compost blend, is a better thing oh, to okay. do.
12: Alrighty, okay. And the other thing is, uh, I'm thinking about transplanting some hostas uh, around uh, a tree I have in the front. Do they need a lot of sun, or can they grow in the shade underneath no, no, the tree? No, they
4: don't. If you put them in the sun, they're going to get sunburnt. So they're oh, shade-oriented okay. plants.
12: Oh, okay. All right, cool. Okay, all right. And then the uh, my last question is. Uh, I cut my iris, uh, well, about a week and a half ago. Uh, I know it was a little late for that, but I cut them all down to, you know, about three, four inches. And uh, now they've, they're getting stems on them. They're getting new leaves that are about a foot tall. Do I wait another month and cut them off again, or should I just let them, you know, let them die through winter or whatever?
4: Well, you I mean, you could do either way. Uh, cutting, you know, pruning them back. It's more an aesthetic call than it is for the you know, the sake of the plants. If you have iris that are not blooming anymore and haven't bloomed yeah. for a year or two, then consequently those you know those are just varieties that won't bloom in the future at all. So there's nothing you can do to make them bloom. They're just old. Oh,
12: okay. All righty. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You answered all my questions.
4: Great. My pleasure. Mike Miller, K M Moist Garden Hotline.
3: Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
4: Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry.
10: Uh, Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, After using Roundup, as far as spot treatment, how much time would you recommend before you uh, put grass seed down?
4: Uh, really, the Roundup is should have no impact on your grass. I wouldn't necessarily, let's say, spray and put the seed right down, but uh, within a day or so, you should have no problem whatsoever.
10: All right. And one other question, uh, assuming you have uh, fescue grass, uh, what is the last... Uh, time you should fertilize that type of grass.
4: Well, the cool season lawns, you can fertilize all the way up to basically almost Thanksgiving. So it's Very going to well. be weather dependent. So that, I mean, that you know, the warm season lawn, you should have already had your last fertilization. But with a cool season lawn, you start basically in, let's say, September, October, November, and then even weather dependent, you could even do it in December. And just uh, with the analysis, the best way to know what type of fertilizer to put down is to get a soil test, find out what nutrients are there and lacking what nutrients are there and extravagant in the levels, and then adjust your fertilizer according to that.
13: Very well. Okay, thank you, Mike.
4: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see. Let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim.
12: Hey, Mike. Uh, Real quick, uh, I'm thinking about top dressing my lawn with, compost but i have a large lawn how how are you supposed to spread that stuff because it's really too the particles are way too big to put in like a broadcast spreader
4: yeah a regular broadcast spreader uh basically what you can do is just you kind of you're not going to get a let's say an even spread with it but just kind of throw a shovel full out and then use a leaf rake to kind of rake it
12: uh, okay, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, that's going to be a, a lot of work. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, well, that's pretty much all I needed. I appreciate the info.
4: Right, but, I mean, there are places that will sell You know, spreaders or not sell. We'll rent spreaders that can do the compost. So maybe take a look oh. at some of the local nurseries or uh, I don't know what part of – you live in Collinsville, which is not really all that close to Belleville, but – Go down to the St. Louis uh, composting and talk to them about it, and see if they can, you know, help you out as far as a, a piece of equipment.
9: Okay. Well, thanks a bunch.
4: Sure, my pleasure. And Mary, can you do it kind of quick?
9: Hi there. Yes. Um, two questions. One, Zoja, we put down some new sod. Uh, when do you stop watering? It's I know it's it's rooted, and when do you start cutting it?
4: Uh, you should start cutting it. Uh, Basically, when it starts elongating and, you know, keep it at the like about three and a half inches this time of year. And I mean, keep it well watered as we go into wintertime. So, you, I mean, we've had some dry spells and that's not good for it.
9: Okay. And the other question, I have a magnolia, but I call it a bush, uh, probably 40 plus years old, about 20 feet tall, uh, light green color leaves. And they're not shiny with white flowers. And this this is the first year that I'm seeing these these leaves, not a whole bunch, but I pick up pick up at least ten a day um where it looks like it's been bitten off from the end of the leaf, or sometimes a whole half leaf is gone. I look up in the tree and can't there's still a lot of leaves on it. Let's put it that way. Right. I cannot see anything like a caterpillar or any kind of a bug at all
4: yeah, this what do you here- think it, I think it yeah. might have been just weather damage as much as anything else. So I don't think it's much of a concern. A lot of trees are dropping foliage prematurely. Not necessarily they're going to look chewed off, but uh, there had to be something that was there earlier that maybe did the damage that you're seeing. It's not something that's happening right now.
9: Okay. So don't worry about it, especially since there's so many other leaves on it. Right. And uh, wait, maybe wait till the spring see if it happens again next spring.
4: Yeah, just kind or, of you know monitor it kind of closely in the springtime, so you can catch whatever actually did the damage. But magnolias are pretty much damage, or there's not too many things that really do bad damage to magnolias just in general. So just the fact that you have some you know some problem. I wouldn't worry too much. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the
3: news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
4: Yes, folks, I'll be giving a garden tip of the trowel real soon. But right now... uh, you can give us a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs of annuals. Yes, keep, you know, you can deadhead some of your annuals if needed and keep fertilizing them because they still got a couple months where they can give you some really some neat shows as far as color-wise and aesthetics and everything else. Your bulbs, your cannas, your elephant ears and those sort of things, they're still looking really, really good. So it wouldn't hurt to fertilize them once more. Uh, Your edibles, your cool season vegetables and things like that, you can get those in the ground now. Or maybe from seed, you can start your lettuce and your spinach and things like that. Your houseplants, start watching them kind of closely for any kind of diseases or insects because... In the next couple weeks or a month or so, you're going to be bringing them back inside. Your lawns, your cool-season lawn versus a warm-season lawn, what do you need to be doing? We can talk about that if you'd like. Your perennials, do you need to be deadheading your perennials? Well, things like I have a lot of uh, purple coneflowers, and you don't deadhead them because the finches love to come and eat the flowers, No, they're not eating the flowers. The flowers are already finished, but the flowers have been pollinated and now they have seed, and the bird loves the seed. Your roses, uh, your final seeding or final fertilizing of your uh, roses should have already happened. And uh, I mean, just make sure they don't go through any kind of drought stress. Shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions. Is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offer for you to consider. Across the big board, there's James. He produces. He pushes all the buttons and everything else and answers the phone. So when you call, he just needs your first name. I do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and answer all the questions that you may have, I'll also keep my eyes open for things that may be impacting your landscape. So that's uh, you can go to my website, Find my phone number, and my email address, contact me, and then we'll set up a time that's agreeable. Tip of the trials: is a special recognition for individual, excuse me, group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Last night, Friday evening, Tracy and I headed into Clayton for the art fair. And wow, it was we found a place to park that was relatively close. We got there not too early, but uh we she drove around a little bit and then we found this spot parked and then we spent a couple hours walking. There are some amazing people with some of the artwork that was there. Everything from jewelry to, you know, photography to just things. I mean, it was kind of neat, you know, when we got there first, it wasn't quite as crowded. So it wasn't, I don't want to say as insane, but you got to talk to some of the artists and everything else. And some of the techniques that these people have come up with were unbelievable. And it was just, I mean, some of the artwork was just fantastic. Now, some of it, I, you'd have to have kind of a large home to even hang, you know, some of the pieces, but, uh, a lot of it was just really unique. Tracy's very much into jewelry. She's done, uh, she's had a jewelry, you know, uh, booth and several different shows herself. And uh, but uh, it was just, it was a great time. So the tip of the trial goes out to I think it's, you know, the art fair. It's in downtown Clayton. It's kind of neat to wander through the streets where normally you may go to eat. The restaurants and everything else are still open. And uh, then there's also vendors there with food. It's just, you know, a great time. So tip of the trial goes out to there. So why don't we take a call or so before we take a break? Let's go over to Tony's yard. Hi,
14: Tony. Yes, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I want to move a uh, Japanese maple from one spot to another. How would I locate the... uh, prepare the hole to move it and how much uh of a ball should be taken from the existing tree.
4: Uh let me put it this way, how big is the diameter of the trunk about four inches above the ground? Uh not not quite an inch maybe oh, so it's still really small. Yes. Uh basically probably doesn't you know, if I don't know if you remember how big the root ball was when you put it in, but probably the root Hasn't gone much beyond what it uh, you know what it was originally, but uh, probably what you want to do is go out about uh, let's say make a hole that's going to be oh let's say eighteen inches or so across in diameter and about one spade deep is what you're going to need to do. Okay. To dig it up, uh, and then what you want to do is make sure the new place that you're going to plant it that is planted. So the top of the root ball is a little bit higher than the surrounding ground. So if there's any settling, then it shouldn't be problematic.
14: I wouldn't have to take uh, from the foliage uh, a ball that's uh, out, you know, uh, within the foliage of the of the tree.
4: No, you don't have to top. go out to the drip line. That would be way too big. That would be the root ball would be even when you buy, tr- you know, trees at nurseries, they don't their root ball is not as you know, it doesn't go out to the drip line. So you only need to go out you know, what you, you're going to you're definitely going to lose some of the feeder roots by, you know, by digging it. But uh, you're having the sort of like the main part of the root system that will p- produce new feeder roots, you know, by digging the size that I recommended.
14: OK, thank you. Uh, not, got another question. I have a dogwood tree and I put it in as a seedling. And it's grown to about maybe six, seven foot tall, and it's grown into a bush more than a tree. Was is that natural for dogwood, or?
4: Well, it depends. You know, I mean, do you, are, was it a seedling that you grew from seed that you knew from a regular type of dogwood? Has it ever flowered for you?
14: No, it hasn't flowered, and I got it as a. It couldn't have been no more than six, eight inches tall Okay. when I got it. It was a young seedling. It was a giveaway that they gave in St. Peter's. Okay. Yeah, so I
4: was... What? Oh, go ahead.
14: Yeah. Well, another thing that's happening is I'm getting from underneath, I'm getting, I want to say, seedlings that are growing up from drippings, I guess, seeds from the dogwood tree. Is that natural? Well, they've thrown into if, my lawn, and
4: not really because if the tree is not flowered, then you can't have seeds, so I'm not exactly well, sure what's happened with you know with, with right uh, in this situation
14: yeah, I'm getting maybe uh oh, i'd say ten to fifteen seedlings that pop up in my yard from the from the roots of the dogwood tree
4: well, that dogwood of that size can't be pushing out that kind of you know they're not colonizers, so in other words. I don't know what you're having that's coming up in your yard but it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with the seedling that you have, the seedling uh, okay. that you have okay. and you know the multiple trunks that really shouldn't I mean that's you know kind of a rare circumstance. Yeah. So it's not
14: natural for a dogwood to do that.
4: No, for the most part it isn't.
14: Okay. Well, thank you so much.
4: Sure, uh, you know, sorry it took sort of like I mean, I'm not sure that that's (laughs) I don't want to say it's not really a dogwood, but it's not the normal type dogwood that we classically think. So good luck with that, Tony. Mike Miller, KM Morris Garden Hotline, back after these
3: messages. Trusted information live and local from the award winning KMOX Newsroom. I guess, folks,
4: watch out for those weeds in your, you know, perennial beds, your shrub areas, your lawn and everything else, because it's a little bit late now to be putting a pre-emergent down. So it's going to be post-emergent control. So if they're broadleaf weeds and like a weed be gone type thing and don't let them keep going because they're going to start, you know, causing problems, whether they're perennials or an annual cool season type weeds. So just watch out for that just in general. Let's head back to the phones. Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary.
15: Hello, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Have you ever or are you familiar with an iris bulb that blooms in September? Generally
4: generally not. I mean, I guess they could out of sequence, but for the most part, they're not you know, they're not fall bloomers. I mean, there's Japanese iris. There's Siberian iris, there's the regular flags that we you know that we normally think of iris, but none of those are ones that bloom late in the season.
15: Yes, I know. Um, I, I, I'm just very surprised. This one bloomed in um, in the spring, and all of a sudden um, a couple of days ago, I looked and it has about four blooms on it.
4: That's great. I mean, if you're seeing the buds and you're getting the flowers, I mean it's just kind of out of sequence and uh, it's all it's got to be weather re, you know weather related. So there's not too much you can do. Just hopefully it won't throw them off as far as blooming uh next spring.
15: That's what I was curious about. The other quick question I had, have you ever uh grown zucchini in a pot?
4: No, I haven't really. Not zucchinis.
15: Okay. Well, we have a beautiful bloom or two every morning, and um, then the bloom drops off, and we never have a zucchini. But every morning we go out on the deck, and there's this beautiful bloom. I guess um, I know that they need to uh, be in the ground, actually. But, yeah, I think uh,
4: for the most part. And so the the ability of them to flower is different than the ability to you know for the flower to get uh, pollinated, so it can you know actually start setting food fruit zucchinis
15: okay well maybe that's the problem because it is on the deck Um, well at any rate thank you Um, my biggest question was about the iris I've gotten a big kick out of that blooming
4: (laughs) it is great fun to see something like that
15: thank you for your show
4: well thanks for having me on your show and now let's head over to Bruce's yard hi Bruce Hello Bruce? Oh, Bruce gone. Let's see. Let's go over to Tony's. Hi Tony.
16: Hello. Hi. Okay, um my issue right now is I have a I like to call it an heirloom. It's an old cactus. It's one of the type that's slender. It's like maybe five spine spiny ridges around it and it due to an injury it produce two more. But but what I'm want to know is this thing is getting really tall, which is fine, and I have it in one of these big buckets, you know these big plastic buckets. It's mm-hmm. Is thriving, but there are ants living in the soil. Ooh. I mean tons of ants. And it's not like a little plant that can take out and, you know, rinse them off or anything and repot. So do you have any suggestions? Well, you could
4: just get an insecticide at your favorite garden center and just, you know, if it's one that needs to be mixed in water, just mix it and just pour it into the bucket or, you know, where the plant is actually growing and kill them that way.
16: Do you have any name of a product that comes to mind? No, I mean,
4: uh, whatever your favorite (laughs) garden center would have would, you know, I would just whatever, just tell them you've got an insecticide or you've got insects and some potted plants and whatever, you know, because if I'd give you a name, they may not have that particular well, product. Well, that's,
6: that's true.
16: Well, I appreciate that, you know, because this, moving this thing in and out every year is quite an ordeal. <laughs> but I love it. You right. know, it's been passed down for someone who's no longer with us. And, you know, I want to keep it. Right. Oh, one comment for you. I'm in a condo now, but when I was a homeowner, my neighbor had irises. And year after year, they would bloom twice in the spring and in the fall. Yeah, so I guess maybe some hybrids do that.
4: It could be. I mean, I may not be familiar with them.
16: Yeah, I mean, I just thought, boy, I'd like to have some of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So they, I think there is a type that does that.
5: Oh, really? I know there is. Well,
4: great. Thanks, Tony. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for your help. Sure. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Kathy, are you there?
6: Um, Would it be Debbie? I think maybe he pronounced my name Kathy. Okay. (laughs) But um, while I've got you on the phone, I was calling about a banana tree. And this thing, I've got it in a 20-inch pot now. And... It's probably six inches in diameter. I measured the circumference of it, and it's um, like 17 inches around. And it's probably 10 foot tall. The stalk is at least four, four and a half foot. And then it's got the, you know, the huge leaves on it. And inside this pot is also a little, uh, what they call the pup coming up. And it's a two inch and a half inch diameter and one of my questions is uh, what size pot does this need to go into uh, next year how do i separate the pup from the big one without killing it and what we usually do is uh, cut the stalk back right and then take it out of the pot and put it down in our basement for the winter and then bring it up, and it's just grown huge. <laughs> so, um, uh, where do I start trying to, you know, take this thing down to the basement? <laughs> well,
4: basically, you don't. You can leave it in the pot if you can get your pot into the basement. As, I mean, you don't necessarily have to take it out of the pot. You can leave it in this pot. You don't have to divide. You know, the, I mean, they're colonizers, so the sucker growth that you're seeing off the base. What you can do is just next year when the new growth begins, you can just kind of cut that, you know, off the, you know, look where it's coming off the root system slash trunk of the existing mature one, and just cut that off, let it dry, and then plant that.
6: Oh, okay. Okay. We tried that last year with two smaller pups, and they both just kind of rotted and died. uh,
4: Well, (laughs) let them dry up before, the, or let that open wound that you cut let that dry to the touch before you try to replant them
5: Oh okay So that don't put them do. don't
4: make the cut and then put them right into a potting soil that's not what you want to do you want that you know that division to uh to let's say that open wound from the cut to heal before you try to replant
6: it Okay so that pup so I wouldn't cut it now I would cut it I would bring
4: yeah, I would just wait till the new growth begins in the spring.
6: And how about the the big one? Should we go ahead and cut it? Cut it like we've been doing. Yeah,
4: yeah, if you've had great success with it, and I wouldn't necessarily put it in a bigger pot because you're going to end up with you know just more and more and more, let's say weight, as far yeah. as from the plant.
6: <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much about for that. And my other question was, I bought some of these petite knockout roses this Mm, year. Sure. And put them in containers. And to put them in the ground, would it be better to just keep them in the containers through the winter and then plant them in the spring in the ground? Well, you could do that,
4: or you can just grow them in containers. So, in other words, for the wintertime, just dig a hole in your garden space and just drop the pot down into the hole, leaving about a top inch or so of the the pot above the surrounding ground. Okay, and just pull the pot out in the springtime, and then you, sh- it should be okay.
6: Okay, all right. That's what I'll do. And thank you so much, Mike. Love your program. Well, Love MLX too. Well,
4: <laughs> well, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, the bananas. I mean, uh, they're pretty tough and durable. So, I mean, the more, the bigger the pot you put them in, the, just. Like I said, you know, there's they're tough to move around, so I'd keep it in at least a manageable pot size.
6: Okay, yeah, because we hesitate to dig a hole in the ground and put it in the ground. We like seeing it up on our patio.
4: Right. Oh, I agree with you.
6: <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, we'll take the ad- advice. Thank All right. You.
4: Great. And 314 436 7900 or one 800 925 1120 Back after
2: these messages. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spent here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
7: Albert Pujols comes to bat. Cardinal slugger Albert Pujols talks with Tom Ackerman Mondays at nine fifty. He hits a fly ball in that field, and it's gone. Exclusively on the voice of the Cardinals, OX.
4: Let's back. Go back to the phones, and let's get.
8: Yeah, let's take care of Bruce. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Fine. How are you, Mike? Very good. I've got. A small Japanese maple. It's green. It's a lace leaf. And over the past couple of weeks, the leaves, the tips of them are getting brown and they're curling up.
4: Uh, That's just weather related.
8: Okay. So it's nothing really to, uh, because it's young yet, you know, it's not real tall.
4: Right. Well, now the lace leaf one, if it's the one that you bought and it kind of looks like an umbrella, it's not really going to get too much taller than what it is, it's going to get a lot wider.
8: No, no, that's fine. Okay. I'm just I was just concerned about the uh, cuz I love I love the tree. I have another one, a mature one on the other side of the yard and I just love it. Right. So, I was just concerned about the leaves turning brown and curling up.
4: Yeah, this is one is probably relatively young and it just doesn't have adequate root system to go through these kind of extended drought periods that we're having.
8: And yeah, okay. And I I have been watering it, and I don't want to water it too much. Or... No, definitely not. Okay, so uh, it's just part of part for the course. All right. Well yep. then, I'll go that route. All right.
4: Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Now let's head over to Art Yard. Hi, Art.
11: Yeah, Mike. I appreciate your help on these questions. Peach leaf curl is that a weather or just an atmospheric? I know it's a fungus.
4: Well, if it's going to be a fungus, you're going to actually see something on the actual leaf. So, it's probably not a fungus. I think it's probably weather related.
11: Uh-huh. Okay. The second question. Mongolian and Japanese linden trees. Is it a cutting or how would you go ahead and propagate a hybrid?
4: Plant? So, you yeah. g- you have access to the tree that you're talking about? Right. So probably what you need to do is you need to get some rooting hormone and take cuttings, and I'd probably take multiple cuttings out the end of the branches, wait until the leaves fall off first, then make a, you know, any place between 8- and 12-inch cuttings at a 45-degree angle, dip them in the rooting hormone, and then also then plant them in a potting mix for starting plant material in individual, pl- individual pots like 6-inch or 4-inch pots.
11: Uh, and this is the final question. On soil science and pruning, would you think it might be appropriate to have classes, say, at the botanical garden that would go ahead and have individuals be familiar with the rhizome, the vascular system, and the various component parts? As far as the pruning, do you know the difference between the fruiting bud and a growth bud and how the lateral limbs would grow out from the trunk of the tree when you prune?
4: Well, I think, don't they have classes like that? I used to teach at the garden, and that's the kind of stuff I would teach. Or if somebody had a, you know, there was a student or there as an attendee would have a question related to that.
11: Yeah, my my brother and I, we got in a big argument. He says, you know, they take dry ice. And they put it out on the doggone cornfields and increase the yield with the CO2. <laughs> he says there's CO2 in the doggone ground, and the plants need that as a matter of inspiration. He says,
4: <laughs>
11: he says plants bleed, uh, breathe. They go ahead and photosynthesize. They give us oxygen, but they need the CO2. In the ground for to go ahead and propagate starches and sugars and so forth, like that.
4: Well, great. Well, thanks. I Appreciate your thoughts. And now let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob.
13: Good morning, Mike. Um, I have uh, two questions. One, uh, we're, we're, we're intending to put out some small boxwoods and, and uh, looked at a uh, particular boxwood called. Kingsville Dwarf which is I'm not going to say the right word but compacta cultivar. Okay. It, it, is that a Is that a uh a, a boxwood that remains small?
4: Um small m- meaning what?
13: Uh to my knowledge uh the, you know the garden centers I've been to they, they say it will stay around a foot in diameter. Uh, th- uh
4: hmm it may, you know, I'm not familiar with that exact variety, but uh, that's pretty small. So if it, that if it's that that's, much of a you know a hybrid that it can stay that small, that's kind of unusual. I well, was that's, gonna,
14: that's,
4: yeah, I was gonna say it was that. gonna be about uh, you know up to two feet, but one foot is pretty small.
13: Well, that's what I thought. That's why <laughs> that I'd call you, uh, but the. the of course, you know, the, the the relevancy of a lot of this is, you know, the, the growth in the area it's in. But uh, right. I thought I thought 12 inches were a buck. Well, would you have any other recommendations that would stay? Uh, so you're, you're saying that it's possibly two feet in diameter.
4: Yeah, that would be a maximum I would say, for a hybrid that's been, you know, a dwarfed, you know, type of hybrid.
13: Okay. Okay. And one other question. uh we're sort of not landlocked, but uh, restricted. Uh, we have an older Japanese maple that uh, has gone uh, bad, and I, you know, I I know I I agree with you about not planting something in the same place. We have no choice in this this situation, and it's uh, a very visual spot, and we'd like to replace that one with another Japanese maple. Um, any suggestions on how to go about doing that? Do I, do I? I mean, I know I take the bad one. This one's died. Do I take? I know I take it out. And do I? Can I, is there a way I can like clean all the existing soil out, say, in a three foot area, and then replace it with something from St. Louis compost, or or no options?
4: Yeah, you could do a you know create a raised bed over the circumstance. Just make sure that you get as much of the root system out as you possibly can because. The roots in that location, as they finally biodegrade on themselves, they can bind up nutrients and cause some problems from anything that's you know newly planted.
13: I see. Well, that may be extensive because I think the caliper on the old one is oh uh, maybe four inches. Okay. Yeah. So, so just okay. you know,
4: get as much out as you possibly can.
13: And then re- replace the soil with something from... Uh, Raised bed mix, no? or, or Yeah, you could or... do a
4: raised bed mix, but I would mix that in with the existing soil.
13: Right, right. Okay, Mike, thank you so very much.
4: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Don's
17: yard. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have two questions, and my first question is uh, I have a large, two large uh, azaleas that bloom uh, in the spring of the year. they pink, and they're about all four foot tall. i like to know whether or not, uh, is it time, can I uh, uh, prune it back because this thing got somewhat out of hand because I moved here and they was already there when I come to the property.
5: Right. And
17: I like to bring them down some and I don't want to uh, hurt the flower flowering uh, for the coming, for next year. Right. So and, basically
4: uh, what you want to do is prune them right, right after they finish flowering. Don't prune them now.
17: Don't prune them now. Okay. When they finish and flowering,
4: that's when you're going to do the pruning.
17: That's when you do the, all right. Now, my second question is I have a, uh, a dwarf rose a tree. It's about five feet, and it's. It looked like a little umbrella tree, but it's a rose. It's a rose tree. Okay. Um, do you uh, is there? A, do you treat it like you do roses? Your regular high, roses, you know, like knockout roses. Do you fertilize them and do the same thing with them? For you know.
4: Yeah, the care for tree rose, it's just a rose bush that's been grafted on probably a stem of you know some kind of fruit tree is basically what it is. So it's not the whole trunk that it's grown onto has been grafted. So consequently, treat it like a regular rose. Uh, surviving, if you're leaving it outside for the wintertime, it could be a little bit tough.
17: Yeah, it's it's, it's outside. It, it It's been out for a couple of years, okay. you know. And it comes back every year. Perfect. Every year. So, are you, and no fertilizer no more for the rest of the year?
4: No, right. No more fertilizing this year. But next year, uh, probably mid to late April, do your first fertilizing.
17: Mid April, okay. I'll dot that down. Okay, and you can use just regular fertilizer for roses, like, uh, you know not no certain brand or no certain... No, just make sure they're for,
4: you know, is formulated for roses so you can avoid right. some of the
17: problems. All right, that's my problem. All right, then, you answered my question. I thank you so much for your service.
4: Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
3: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Let's back to the phones we
4: go. Let's head over to Felix's yard. Hi, Felix.
3: Uh, Yes, hi.
18: Thank you very much for the program. I got a a question. I'm having trouble in my garden with weeds growing, and I'm okay for the rest of the year. Um, But I was wondering after everything stops growing in the garden, can I spray those with something to kill the weeds before I turn the soil?
4: Well, basically, if you do that, the—I mean—the weeds have to be actively growing that you're trying to kill. So we're getting as the days and get cooler and the days get shorter, the effectiveness of herbicides is going to start going downhill. So yes, you could, but uh, you have to sort of make sure that there are you know in the downhill dying process before you turn them under. And if they're perennial weeds. It uh you know you may have to make sure that they're really dead before you work them into the soil.
18: Okay, so basically is there anything I could I could soil I could spray them uh before they die. Right. And then then uh once they're dead, then I could turn the soil?
4: Yes, you should be able to.
18: Okay, thank you very and that that will not harm what I plant next year. No, I should not. Okay. Thanks. Have a great, great
4: day. Yeah. Just make sure you read the label of whatever herbicide you're going to use to make sure there is no residual
18: effect. Okay. I'll go to a nursery and get something. Okay,
4: great. And now let's head over to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul.
19: Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, uh, I have a pecan tree, a soft shell pecan that I planted over 30 years ago. Um, and it's always loaded with huge pecans that all the squirrels in the neighborhood like. <laughs> uh, but whenever they are ready to harvest, they are, when you break them, they're just black on the inside.
4: Hmm. That's a tough one. Um it has to be related to the variety of the pecan that you planted. So, yeah, I know you planted it thirty years ago. But what you might do is uh, give the botanical garden a call in relationship to that and see what they say. Okay, but I don't it's think. A, it was a yeah, I don't hardy
19: think. Hardy soft shell.
4: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think it's related to the variety of and relationship to our weather is what the problem is.
19: But it is always loaded with pecans, and, uh, and I cracked a couple open now and the nuts look good on the inside but whenever like i said when they drop and they're ready to out of the shell right or the skin uh they are all black on the inside
4: yeah that's kind of i would give the botanical garden a call
19: all right okay all right i will do thanks for your help
4: sure and matt can you do it kind of quick
14: Okay, yeah, my mom's got a couple of crepe myrtles that are too tall for her. She wants them cut down. Now I, I know they're they're fast growers, though. So if I cut them down to ground level now, are they going to reach the same height uh, that they are now, which is about six seven feet? Will they get that high again uh, in just one season, or will it take a couple of years to get that tall again?
4: It's going to take a couple years. They're not going to get. They're not going to spring that much growth in one season.
14: Okay. Okay. Because I was leery to cut them out because I was like, well, mom, they're just going to get that tall again next year. No. Uh, but if it's going to take a couple of years, then I can go ahead and prune them down like she wants. Them. Right.
4: And you could always just cut them, let's say, halfway down and then see what kind of surge of growth that you get, you know, from the, the let's say, the three feet and then make another cut in a couple of years. So you don't only have to do it in just one major cut.
14: Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. Yep.
4: And sorry, Jason, Marie. Maureen, we can't get to you today. But uh, thanks, everybody, for calling. Don't forget the art fair in Clayton. Great stuff there. So Mike Miller, MYS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?